0: Hello, and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hello, you guys, and welcome back. This is Sarah. And this is Katie. Welcome to our show.
1: Welcome. You know what, Katie? I was thinking. I was listening to a podcast last night, my favorite murder in my bathtub because that's mm-hmm. my routine every night now in lockdown. Oh, yeah, and I it made me giggle because now all these podcast hosts are like, Oh, we have to do it via Skype now. And I was like, bitches, Katie and I have been doing that from day one. So, welcome to the club.
0: Yeah, welcome. We have been doing this over Skype since the very beginning. And luckily, our audio has gotten a bit better because we've figured some things out along the way. But yeah, that's funny. I hadn't really thought about that. All the other podcasters that are going to have to figure out the you know, the Skype, and then how to turn that into the audio file, but
1: ha-ha. <laughs> I know, it just made me laugh, but then I was like, whoa, I couldn't tell that they were doing it by Skype, but then, obviously, I'm sure they have, like,
0: way better equipment than us, but still. Well, yeah, and they pay people to, like, do their audio, so. Oh. <laughs> um, but, yeah, and- no,
1: it was funny. I was just thinking that, that, like, everyone's like, oh, lockdown, and we have to do everything, remotely and via Skype. And I was just like, oh, wait, Katie and I literally have been
0: doing that for two years now. So ain't nothing special for us. And I think, too, a lot of people don't realize, even though we mention it often, I think people don't realize that we are nine hours apart. So (laughs) that's also a thing that we coordinate, not to brag, but well, we're
1: gonna <laughs> brag yeah it's nine hours difference like katie like lit- today for an example mm-hmm. listeners i like in berlin the time changed this past weekend but because you know lockdown it doesn't matter to me like it's <laughs> not like i'm, I'm losing an hour gaining an hour because it's all the same i'm just still sleeping and doing absolutely nothing um but yeah and like today we're like okay recording at 7 30 p.m berlin time and I got on Skype and I was like, Katie's always very punctual. What is happening? And then it hit me like, oh, shit, there's a time change. And uh, Katie doesn't have time changes in Arizona. I get Right? You guys don't like.
0: No, we don't observe daylight
1: savings time. Which yeah. Is, yeah. So yeah. that was an example. So we had a court. Now we're. So
0: before we were eight hours, now we're nine. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, almost 11 a.m. here and 8 a.m. or 8 p.m. for Sarah so she has wine and I have coffee we're representing the spectrum of uh, ex-Mormon drinks
1: (laughs) which I love I love um, when we're asking for ideas for logos I can't remember who suggested this so I'm really sorry that I'm not giving you credit Um, but message us later and we'll correct it um the logo that was like a you know wine glass and a coffee mug because that shows like our time difference I thought that was so cute I
0: remember uh her name is Lindsay yeah, I, I remember yes. that because it was so cute. I was like, wow, that needs to go on some merch because that's what we, that's basically what we have when we record. I mean, I don't know, maybe you don't have wine every time, but I definitely have coffee every time. I basically have wine every time. Mm-hmm. I've been drinking a lot more since lockdown.
1: It's like my go-to. Every night is a little bubble bath and a glass of wine.
0: That so, sounds so nice. I love it that. It
1: is, but it does affect your hoo-ha. So women... Maybe oh, don't take a bubble bath every night. Just yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm like a once a week bubble bather, probably.
1: Yeah, it's an addiction, but then you're like, oh, right, that's why they tell women not to have bubble baths every
0: day. There's a hoo ha. Because of your hoo ha. Anyway, so um besides. What was I going to say? Besides whatever we were just talking about. My brain's all over the place. My um, hoo-ha, Katie. That's what we were talking besides about. Besides the oh, health okay. of your hoo-ha, how are you doing in quarantine? How are you faring? What a fabulous segue, Katie.
1: Thank you. Thank our- you. <laughs> um, yeah, let's get into that. So mental health-wise, <sighs> it's been a struggle. It's been a bit of a struggle. Um. Yeah, so if you guys haven't guessed, Katie and I were talking about mental health this episode. Yep. Correlation with COVID-19 and the whole lockdown, but also how you know ex-Mormons or Mormons view this whole situation and just causes causes even more um, flare-ups of mental health issues. But then mm-hmm. also even separate of this whole coronavirus situation is just past religious trauma in general for ex-Mormons. Right. Anyone who, you know, grew up in a religious, um con- like, uh, situation, they also have religious trauma as well. It's not just Mormons who experience it. But, mm-hmm. um yeah, so kind of connecting and weaving all of that. So, I don't know. Yeah, Katie, how's your mental health? Before I dive into listing off all the things <laughs>
0: <laughs> for well, me, but how have you been handling COVID? You know, I've been... Pretty good, actually. It's I feel like when it first was happening and it seemed like every day it was just getting worse and worse and things were all sold out at the store and everything, it, it was a little overwhelming and I felt pretty anxious and then I was doing a little better, but this past week I did have sort of a little breakdown. And I I think it was because I was looking at social media too much and I just got really scared. I got really nervous and anxious and I actually just started to like sob. I was just crying and my yeah. boyfriend came in the room and he was like, oh my gosh, are you okay? And he helped calm me down and I just was like, I'm so scared, I don't know, like the uncertainty of this is so scary. And then something that I noticed it felt really good to just cry and let it out and feel the feeling. But then after I did that, I apologized. I was like, oh, I'm so sorry for being so emotional. And he was like, don't apologize. You're allowed to have feelings. And that's something that really has come to the forefront for me during this whole thing is that I think my background and the religion I was I grew up in sort of makes you feel like, expressing emotions in a way that are negative like I guess quote-unquote negative emotions you're kind of not supposed to do that and I I felt like almost ashamed for crying even though I I, you know afterwards I realized like no there you can you're allowed to feel your feelings so that's that was a kind of breakthrough moment I had and that when you're feeling something you should just embrace it sit with it and then you know, you can release it whenever it's gone, but having feelings isn't a bad thing. So yeah, that's besides so that feelings. I know. But besides that, I've been actually really pretty good considering. But <laughs> well, I think that's a really important point to start off
1: with and talking about is exactly what you're saying is this idea that growing up in the Mormon religion again, we're just talking about our experiences, I'm sure it is relevant to all the other religions as well, or any other situation that's similar to this, Um, is that, yeah, you feel this need to apologize for having sincere and vulnerable emotions. And that is something I, I also struggle with. And we've talked about this many times on different episodes, but coming from a background like a southern background of like people just don't talk about shit in the south like you just don't <laughs> talk about emotions and vulnerability plus you know growing up in the Mormon church and going to BYU and dating Mormon guys where you don't ever want them to think that you're crazy I'm doing air quotes. Oh. Right. That you're, you know, air quotes again, overdramatic, and that you know, just anytime you express how you feel, it's automatically a negative thing. And so that stigma has stick has stuck with me for a long time. And I've had countless examples of Mormon guys who have told me that in the past, where uh. I allowed their treatment to continue because I was too scared to say something. And then finally, when I did, the reaction was always the same. You're just being dramatic, you're overreacting, you know, you're acting crazy, like I'm not doing this, da da da. And so it's just exactly what you're saying. Anytime that we feel these raw, vulnerable emotions and we express them, it's like this instant reaction to apologize. And I Mm -hmm. do the exact same thing. Like yesterday, I mean, now I can laugh about it today, but yesterday was an example of that too, where in a span of 15 to 20 minutes, I went from like intense conversation to crying, to oh. laughing, to sadness, like all in 15 minutes. And it was just this roller coaster that I'm sure is amplified from the current situation yeah. of being on lockdown. But I I did the same thing where I started crying and I instantly was like to my boyfriend, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, And he's like, why are you apologizing? Like, you don't need to apologize. And it's like, oh, yeah, right. I don't need to. Like, this is okay to have emotions and to say, like, this really upset me or this triggered me or this situation is scary because it's so new and it's so uncertain that I think, you know, regardless of your religious background or your family background or whatever, the situation is going to cause a lot of anxiety and stress for people and maybe even for people who have never dealt with mental health issues this is now going to come to the surface and the only positive I can think about the situation is maybe in the future it'll make people more empathetic and understanding of people who deal with mental health issues on a daily basis one
0: thousand percent yeah yeah I think it's just it's a scary
1: time for sure, but it's also I think trying to be positive as much as possible, I think it's managing expectations and the thoughts in your head. Like that for me is the number one thing I have to tell myself in order to manage anxiety on a daily basis of you know, one managing expectations, which cut me off at any time, Katie. And for those listeners who are like, that bitch <laughs> never stops talking, and Kate <laughs> never gets done. Um, oh my god. <laughs> oh, that person, rude. Um, <laughs> bitch, just kidding. Um, I love everyone. Um Is yeah, so managing expectations, and I've I've seen this so often on social media and that's exactly what you were talking about maybe it's a trigger and something that I've tried to actually stay clear of as much as I can is social media Mm -hmm. because it just triggers my anxiety because I see all these people who are posting things like oh I'm gonna paint during this time or I'm gonna sew the thing I've been working on for the last 10 years I'm finally gonna get to it or I'm gonna eat really healthy, and exercise, and do this, and this, and that, and, like, all these crazy expectations that, oh, it just makes me feel overwhelmed, because I'm, like, yeah, "Mm, I'm not doing that at the weekend, I'm not doing that, like, I'm I'm sitting there watching
0: Netflix. Yeah, and so, yeah, for me, it's, like, it's a combo of things. It's those posts. And then there's also, I. there was a bunch of people that are like oversharing the, which it's important to know the news and what's going on, but you see article after article of how many deaths and how much is happening, how many, how the hospitals are overwhelmed and like. So you see that compared with the people who are, you know, setting all these goals for themselves, which is fine. You do you. But then you're like kind of comparing yourself. And then you see the post of people who aren't taking it seriously and it makes you enraged. Like, ah, mm-hmm. don't go to parties right now, people. <laughs> and so, yeah, all of those emotions can come together when you're just scrolling social media and then it can get o- overwhelming really quickly. Exactly. So tip number one during this time
1: Maybe stay off of social media. May just set like a, a limit, like an hour a day, and no yeah. more. Like that. I mean, obviously, as Katie said, you do you and whatever works for you, and that's the most important thing that I hope everyone who's listening takes home is mm-hmm. that this episode consists of of my opinion and then Katie's opinion and what works for us, but you need to do what works for you. Bottom yeah. line. Uh-huh. Um, don't feel pressured by anything that you see or hear and think like, Oh, well, I need to do it this way. And I need to do that. No, like you need to know how your body works mentally, physically, emotionally, get to get real familiar with it in this lockdown. Like uh-huh. this is, <laughs> I would say this is the time to do that. And then just be able to manage your own personal expectations and know your limits and boundaries and, you know, tell I'm people hungry. to fuck off if you feel like it's. They're pushing you too much, you
0: know? I was going to say boundaries. Like, if people are trying to contact you and talk about it too much or, you know, if things are being said that trigger you. Like, for me, when people are talking about things like, oh, I'm so grateful that we have this church, and I'm so grateful that we have our Heavenly Father, and I can pray, I really, I just, I've started to unfriend people left and right, you guys, like, because I'm just like, no, my mental health is not worth it, you know, fine, pray if you want to pray, but that's not going to do anything for anyone else, so, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) no, no,
1: (laughs) I agree, I agree completely, and it's also, uh, yeah, so going on with that, too, like, you know, social media is seeing, I, Katie and I both still have friends and family on social media who are active practicing devout Mormons. And when they post stuff like that, it just, a, it makes me angry, but B, it triggers that little part of me that still gets a little scared that maybe this is the end of the world. And, you know, yesterday our weather has been insane and it started snowing in Berlin and it hasn't even snowed all winter. And all of a sudden it's snowing at the end of March And someone at work made the joke of, like, oh, next comes plagues of, like, (laughs) you know, locusts (laughs) and um, darkness and blah, blah, blah. And I was, like, ha, 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 ha. But really on the inside, I was, like, oh, my God, maybe it is the end of days. And I have to just come back down to reality and be, like, nope. Like, that's something that's triggered from your religious trauma. But it's not true. Like, the same as when you read posts that, you know, bless Bless the hearts of, of many people, my family, but they post things because unfortunately right now the city that's closest to my parents and a few, and one of my brothers and his family is Albany, Georgia, which is ranked like number three metro area with the highest number of cases and deaths, mm-hmm. oh. which is mental. I am from the middle of nowhere. Like if you guys Google Albany, Georgia, it's not big, it's small But for some strange reason, it's right behind New York. So when I'm seeing all these posts and I'm in Germany, I'm stuck here. I can't fly home if I want to. Like if something happens, like, so again, just seeing all these posts on social media and people talking about the cases and the, and then I have to work, you know, at work, we were dealing like almost every business is having to address COVID on a daily basis. And it's like, Oh, how do you manage (sighs) not going crazy with all of the information, but also keeping informed?
0: Yeah. And like you said, the post, to me, I think, okay, so the Mormons, I don't, there's probably no Mormons listening, but if you are, hello. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome. Hello and welcome. So the ones that post, I understand like when the Mormons post things, they're doing it because they they want to feel that comfort, right? They want to feel like Heavenly Father is looking out for us and we'll be okay because they're scared like the rest of us. But it's really dismissive and kind of insulting to everyone else if you're posting something that says, my God is going to save me while all these other people are dying. And that made me think, I screenshotted this Instagram post, I half- To share with you I sent it to you Sarah but I didn't post it on our Instagram Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna read it it's a picture that so my Mormon friend she took a picture of these um like Cottonelle flushable wipes because you know toilet paper is out anyway and her her quote or her caption is God is real folks We're on our last roll of toilet paper, and I just happened to find this in the checkout lane at Target. Someone had to abandon it when they tried to buy too many. Hashtag God knows our struggles. Hashtag he knows when we need toilet paper. Oh, my God. When I first saw that, I was like, this has to be a joke. And then I realized who it was, and it's definitely not a joke. And I understand that she's trying to portray gratitude in that, right? But to everyone else, that is so, like, just kind of gross and arrogant like oh cool god gave you some flushable wipes meanwhile millions of people are dying people are losing their jobs like it's this pandemic that apparently he god can control and give you flushable wipes but he can't help all these other people like exactly Ah, like, don't post that stuff. I know know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I just have to vent about that because it makes me so mad.
1: Let it out. No, when you sent me that, I just was like, this is so fucking annoying. Like, I see those posts, too, and it takes all I have not to engage. Like, it takes every (laughs) bit of my self-control. The same with the meme that I – or not meme, but the screenshot I posted – On our Instagram story about the guy who did like, oh, everyone, you know, a few weeks ago, everyone's accusing the church of fraud and like asking where all the money goes. Now they know to, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic. And it's like, where are your sources? I haven't read one (laughs) thing other than Deseret News that said anything about the church donating money. To coronavirus victims or families and situations. Like, all I read is that, like, the food, like, the, oh man, I'm, like, blanking, the warehouses that produce the food storage mm-hmm. are like donating those for a cheaper price.
0: Yeah. yeah. You, like, you know, when you. <laughs> free. When you sent that to me, the first thing that came to my mind was the voice of Maury Povich, you know, from like daytime TV when he goes, yeah. turns out, that's a lie. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked it up, too. I couldn't find anything. I found like one Deseret News article that was the one you're referring to, and then I found one Salt Lake Tribune article that was saying that they had donated some face masks to China a while ago, but like... Okay, that I mean, cool. Thanks for that donation, but you're still sitting on like 130 plus billion dollars that could be that could be used in so many ways, and you're not. So get that meme or whatever that little screenshot thing right out of here. No exactly.
1: And another thing too, I just have to like. Okay, two things. Two things on this subject. <laughs> two things. Two things. Two things, guys. Um, first of all, now they have like <laughs> everyone's sharing, all the Mormons are sharing this um, statement from quote President Nelson. About it's like <laughs> everyone is it, like a um, international Mormon fasting that is their solution uh, oh. to COVID 19. <laughs> it's too fast. So, that's the first point I just want to uh. have. Second point being. With the $130 billion that they have, they are continuing to ask people to donate tithing rather than taking that tithing money that they have, the $130 billion, and distributing it to people in the church who have paid who have now lost their jobs.
0: Right. Like, you know how I'm sure you've heard that the government in the U.S. is sending, like, they have a stimulus package and they're sending out checks to all of the citizens here. Yeah, girl, t- I about my 2019 U.S. taxes just to get that money. Nice. I that good, good. But, like, yeah, it's a really good point. Like, why isn't the church doing that, even if it's just for its members? Because I'm sure a bunch of their members are out of work. Like, That's why not give point. them their, their little stimulus package from the church? But, no, they're asking them to keep paying tithing. You guys, that is... It enrages me
1: like it just makes me so angry because I would they are that. fully capable of doing that. And like we said, just for the members, I'm not even talking about the whole world or the, even the United States in particular, just the members of the church who, even if they wanted to say something crazy, like have donated for five years straight. Fine. Like whatever the fuck you want to say. If they would just return the money that they've sent or just gave out another standard like we will give you $1,000 a month for the next four months until right. this situation comes. You know
0: they can damn well afford it, too. Exactly. Well, I know if I was a Mormon, I would be like, what are you doing? I need some money, church. Like <laughs>
1: Exactly. And that's another point as well, talking about anxieties and mental health issues that are coming from this whole situation it's not just about the situation of in and of itself and the uncertainty but also and you know obviously the biggest factor being the physical side effects and people you know are who are affected are sick and ill and some are have died or well, a lot have died um and it might be close family members whatever that's the biggest thing but also You know, people who are in certain industries have taken a huge hit with money wise and jobs like they're not able to work. And I just think like that's another thing that's adding stress. And if you're an ex-Mormon, so even if you're not an ex-Mormon, that's a stress factor. As someone who is ex-Mormon, it can also be like, oh, maybe if I if I pay tithing or, you know, those little thoughts creep into your head of like, well, maybe I'm not going to get blessed because of this, this and this. And even the other day, I had to, I had to catch myself from going into that train of thought because I am fortunate enough and I'm very grateful to have a job that I can work remotely and it was a new job. So I was, you know, lucky enough to, to still have it even in the certain situation. I thought they could have easily said, no, we're not going to, you know, hire you because of what's happening. But Mm -hmm. that hasn't been the case. Knock on wood in case they like fire me next week, but um as of right now I don't and I had to catch myself from saying or thinking oh my god like maybe I did something good and that's why I'm being blessed or like maybe you know I'm not being cursed anymore like it was like instant like
0: hate that that yeah it, it was so programmed into us that it's still there I the other day like it was Well, it was probably a couple weeks ago, and this was, like, ramping up really intensely, and the news was really intense, and I was really scared. I had a split-second thought of, oh, my gosh, I need to pray. Like, I was like, I need to do, like, a whole Dear Heavenly Father prayer. And it only lasted for a split second, and I was like, no. But it was there. It was ingrained in the back of my head of, like, this is what you need to do now. It's that, like, Mormon response. Exactly. Like, like, you were saying, oh,
1: crazy it's insane or it's this it's this mentality and this is not specific to religious trauma this is just everyday and i think brene brown talks about it quite often if if i know i mentioned her a lot because i'm obsessed with her um but i don't remember which book it is and maybe listeners you can if you if you know the one you can send it in but she talks about this um idea of like when things are going really really well and you suddenly start to think oh, things are going too well right now. So something bad's going to happen. Like Mm. it can't, you know, things are going too well. They're too perfect. So then you change your train of thought and think, okay, something bad's going to happen. So it's a cycle of self-sabotage because you get into that mindset and you're preparing for the worst when you should just be enjoying the happiness and the blessings you have at that moment. And I think that's kind of, Also, my mentality these days of, like, if things are going really, really well, then I instantly am, like, but I'm still ex-Mormon, so I'm going to get cursed soon. Or, like, I still have this and this and this. And it's just a mental uh, jumping jacks. Is that, that I don't know what phrase I'm trying to say. Jumping jacks? exhausting, (laughs) is what I'm trying to say. But you Uh, guys. Yes.
0: Yes. This is the surprise. She told me she had a surprise and she wouldn't tell me what it was until we started recording. So I'm very excited.
1: <laughs> the excitement anticipation is going to just, like, go completely down because it's not that exciting. Um, <laughs> I researched today. That's the yeah! exciting story, you guys. I legit took, like, an hour and did some research on the episode. Go, so Sarah. You're
0: welcome. go, Sarah. Go, Sarah. Go, Sarah. Oh.
1: I think it's mainly because uh, this interest, like, this topic is a very personal and close one. I mean, all of them are. But this one is just, like, mental health. I am all about it. And especially in this time right now because it's affecting everyone. Um, But, you know, okay, so you remember when we first started this podcast? Little baby, not so Molly Mormon podcast. Uh Yeah. Now she's, like, in her teens, you know. We're going to (laughs) jump ahead and say she's in her teens. Okay. Um, Okay. When we first start off we one of our main things is that we couldn't find sources. We couldn't find when we were going through this process of leaving the Mormon church, we weren't able to find guys, I have really bad burps today, so I'm sorry, it's just probably gonna happen while I'm talking. <laughs> um <laughs> Um we couldn't find like sources to help us go through the leaving the church. I mean, there were some out there, but you and I are both like, uh, it's just not really what we want to talk about. So that was yeah. one reason why we started the podcast. So whenever I, I researched today, like thinking, oh, is there much out there about um Mormons leaving the church and the psychological damage that it does or the religious trauma? Is there something that's specific to the L D S church? And when I searched years ago, there wasn't. And you guys, this, this person, he wrote, I think it's a he. I'm being sexist right now, assuming. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Marshall Brooks. I'll post the link in the source. But it was an article published August 28, 2019. Okay. So it's quite recent. And it's, I mean, I will give this heads up. I don't agree with everything that he says and some of the points I find not as progressive as I would want them to be. Like some of the points I was a bit like, yeah, I don't agree with that. But overall, I think it's a good article to read for ex-Mormons. Cool. Yeah. So it's really exciting. It's talking about like, basically he has this idea of the the disenchanted self. Mm. Talking about like exes existential distress and I don't even know this word ontological insecurity among ex-Mormons in Utah so that's the name of the article
0: oh interesting okay
1: super interesting um so talking about like mental health issues that are um, symptoms that resemble like depression anxiety disassociation paranoia blah 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 all of these Um, issues that are quite often overlooked by mental health professions because they don't have the training. I mean, it's not part of training for most people who are in mental health uh, professions to have a religious background or be able to cope with, you know, an ex-Mormon who comes into the office. And this is something that I actually talked to an ex-Mormon about here in Berlin and how it was really a struggle for him. And I found too to find a therapist who I felt could really touch or fine tune these these issues that I was talking about and really relate because it's just, it's a subject that you can explain it to someone. But if you're trying to get help professionally, it's a bit, it's even more exhausting to have to explain the background of right. why these things are causing you the issues that they are. And for someone who has no idea, it's just really... I I would say, I mean, it's obviously therapy is still beneficial no matter what, but it's just this added element of they don't relate, they don't get it, so it's hard for me to explain about it, you know, explain Uh more. Totally. So anyway, so this article is really good. I'm not going to read it all because it's like an actual like scholarly article, which I'm not going to lie. A lot of my vocab has gone down because I was like, what is that word? (laughs) Don't know that word. Lockdown (laughs) problems, y'all. Um. But I do want to share just a few things because Katie has some good examples that are just relevant um, or more specific to the Mormon church and talking about their stance on this on specific issues. And also we have a really cool patron and like I think I think she's our number one listener as well. Tana, we're giving you a shout out. We have um, an email from her talking about yeah. health. So we want to share a bit of that, too. So I won't go into too many of the details because we're already at like 30 minutes, I think. Sorry, guys. I'm a chat. Okay. I remember
0: time is irrelevant now. Exactly. <laughs>
1: Other than the fact that I might have to piss myself in a few minutes. So you guys might have to hear me peeing on this podcast. Um, <laughs> close <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing that I thought, okay, so I kind of, I just extracted a few of the most relevant points from this article. And even with that, it's like a lot, but the main thing. So the first one is talking about like, basically how Mormons feel when they're starting to question the church, because it's such, and most of this is just quotes from the article. So you guys don't think I'm like pla- plagiarizing or anything. Um, he says like, it's an all encompassing faith to know the church is true And then when you deny that knowledge is considered an unforgivable sin, so people who are really quickly branded as apostates, which we all know, um, were shunned by family, friends, and neighbors. So it's it's this widespread belief that apostasy stems from a personal decision to sin, which we all know that as ex-Mormons, it's not just a matter that you choose to disbelieve, it's on the contrary is that you like most of the time for us we've researched things and we're trying to get a firmer testimony I know for me it's like okay I I saw these things that were making me feel really uncomfortable this doctrine that was being preached is making me feel really uncomfortable but I want to keep being Mormon so I'm just gonna like dig deeper because I plan to die as a Mormon so I'm gonna dig deeper get that (laughs) truth and you know, strengthen my testimony and blah, 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 blah. And it was within that that I discovered all of this.
0: Totally. And And also on the point of like how you said uh, Mormons think the ex-Mormons choose to disbelieve. I've heard that a lot. Like, And I just like to kind of point out in that it's just you can't choose what you believe or disbelieve. It's like you just either believe it or you don't right? You see the evidence for it or you don't. And so it's not like we're just saying, oh, we choose. We just don't. We just say we don't believe in it, even though we kind of do. But we're just saying we don't so that we can have wine. I don't know. It's just it's weird. It's a weird thing that they say. But exactly. Yeah. yeah, And that it's
1: like the easy option when And we've talked about this multiple times that it's not the easy option at all.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah, and so I think I just want to read this this one section because everything that he said was just like, "Whoa, that's how I felt when I left." I'm and I know because the the background of this article is this guy lived in and I will provide the source, I promise, cuz I have to give him credit. Um, he lived in Utah. I think it was for 18 months or 2 years, and he studied. So he he has a lot of case studies. He's talked a lot of Mormons, ex-Mormons, lived in the culture, like really soaked it up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so these stories, it was like that sense of, oh, so I'm not alone. Like these oh, yeah. the exact feelings that I had, that you know, you and I have talked about, and over the years we've talked about. But then seeing it in the written form was like, oh my God, this is exactly what we were talking about. Um, Okay, so I'll just read this section really quickly. Okay. Um, He says, I found that in disenchantment ex-Mormons experienced debilitating distress as their physical, social, and symbolic surroundings lost their once comforting familiarity and were transfigured into something strange and unsettling. In the wake of such religious disenchantment, ex-Mormons found that the entire system of meaning upon which their sense of self had been built effectively collapsed, mm-hmm. which is exactly how I felt. That's
0: it. Yep. Totally.
1: Um, he says, I heard people describe feeling like they were floating, that the world literally shook or felt to be crumbling beneath my feet. Others use language flushed with the sense of ontological estrangement, saying they felt as if they were living in a dream, Where nothing seems real, while Uh, some intimated, I don't okay, (laughs) that they were uh, instead waking up from a dream only to find that the world I thought I had been living in was all make believe, which totally resonated with me completely. You just can't even wrap your head around it. And then it says, common to each of these descriptions is an expression of an abrupt, unexpected collapse of faith and an emphasis on what is described in literature on the phenomenon of psychosis as a disruption of vital contact with the world.
0: Wow.
1: Yeah. It's so, you guys, like this article it has, like I said, some of it is a bit like, uh, okay, yeah, whatever. But a lot of it is like it talks about this idea of feeling the spirit and like... You know, they think that people think that they're over it, but their daily lives still have these core Mormon beliefs because they just it takes so long to get rid of them because they're embodied memories like the presence. Yeah. Their presence just continues, even though you stop believing. Um, it's a traumatic experience that even after you leave the church, it's still going to hang around and it's just not going to go away. And you feel you feel those feelings of guilt which then makes you feel anxious, which then can lead to depression. It's all of these these symptoms of a mental health that is triggered by religious trauma.
0: Oh my God, yeah.
1: Yeah, it's I, amazing. And it, Like again, we don't have the time to go in all of it and I'll send the link because I think it's a really good read because wow. it also talks about body images that oh, yeah. we've all talked about so many times, but he mentions that Several of the ex-Mormon women he encountered felt trapped in their body. They they were locked behind bars of patriarchy. And as one woman put it, constrained by frumpy clothing, a demeaning self-image, and teachings that slotted them solely as childbearing mothers attached to priesthood-holding men.
0: I just got legitimate goosebumps.
1: Right? Wow. Yeah. Like it, I just I read this and I was just like, "Whoa." That's so many, and and that's another, you know, lingering feeling that is something that as ex-Mormons, and especially ex-Mormon women, you have to constantly battle and get those thoughts out of your head when you also have it from society in general. So it's like double whammy, not to yeah. say just like, we're special, because we have it harder than everyone else. Um, not to <laughs> seem like that, but it's just, um, it's a lot, and especially with, with sex, he talks about that too, like how this this idea of feeling guilty and um, one person in particular, I won't read it, but there was an example he gave where, I don't know if it was the woman or the man in the relationship, not that it matters, um, one of the partners in the relationship um, would feel guilty every time they tried something new.
0: Oh. And,
1: and this concept, which maybe listeners you've heard of, or maybe Katie you've heard of, but I had never heard of it. Um, which apparently is a common term in ex Mormon lingo, which is called "God in the bedroom." I
0: have I feel like I've heard that reference, but I I'm not like it's not like I see it used often as a term. Is it kind of like where they just feel like God's watching them?
1: Yeah. So he says. Um, um, despite rejecting the church's teaching, ex-Mormons often found that God may have left their day-to-day thoughts, but had somehow stayed between the sheets, appearing and reappearing during the most intimate moments.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yeah. So, and that, like, I can't say that, like, I've I've felt that during the act of sex, but definitely after i that's something that I struggle with, not so much anymore, and I've, i am most for the most part in a healthy place when it comes to sex but definitely in the beginning it was like I never felt it during sex but afterwards or maybe the day after I would feel this like nauseous yeah. feeling and like guilt and
0: um, yeah it's a big one
1: yeah for sure and then yeah I don't know I mean guys I could go on and on but just another thing too that I thought of actually us is that he his study showed that Um, Mormons also, they, to quote, attempted to supplement this loss of reading across a a broad range of scientific subjects, including human cognition, biological evolution, and astrophysics. This was, I think, an attempt to moor themselves in a secular scientific epistemology that could address their now painfully unsettled questions concerning life, death, and humanity's place in the universe.
0: That I feel (laughs) so, <laughs> I think we've talked about it before on a few episodes where you and I felt like we haven't been taught like anything. I, I don't know. I didn't know so much about science. I still don't. I'm still very much learning, but it's just like all of these things that you just attribute to God or religion. And oh, guess what? There's actual scientific or secular reasons and explanations for all these things that you can learn about. <laughs> and right. I just didn't know.
1: <laughs> exactly. And I mean, my boyfriend jokes all the time because anytime evolution is brought up, he's like maybe, maybe we should, uh, you should watch this. Or if it's like an evolution show about <laughs> like for kids, he's like, maybe you should. Right. And I joke, but I'm like, yeah, but really I should, because I don't like, know yeah. any of this stuff. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I think it's this this idea that and especially in a time right now with what's happening in the world right now with COVID-19 and how everyone is already a bit, you know, like you just gave the example of you feeling the other day overwhelmed and scared with the uncertainty. But then you also have from the ex-Mormon perspective where it's like we went from knowing uh, like for sure Mm -hmm. we're going to heaven or there's an afterlife or whatever to in a situation like this where I can definitely see and I'm including myself in this group a lot of ex-Mormons feeling even more fear of like oh I haven't thought about well now that I don't believe in afterlife and a celestial Jesus and all of this like what do I believe in what happens if the world comes to an end if this is not stopped like all those questions of afterlife and where we go and this unsettling Mm -hmm. feeling of you don't have this confidence and comfort that you once had in a religion so then you go to science to turn to that but then science is factual but it doesn't have that Mormon marketing in there that's like oh you feel at peace because you know that you're going to heaven and you're going to have a great life.
0: Because if you really value like truth and you're yeah, if you want honesty, no one knows (laughs) there's no way to know anything about after someone dies. Like, right. There's no way to know any of that. It's probably, probably nothing. Who knows? But yeah, it's going from having that faith. And like you said, you feel like, you know, That There's an afterlife and there's a God, so you're comfortable. And then you have to sit with that discomfort and realize that, like, holy shit, I don't know what happens after we die. Like, I don't know any of this. And I don't have that false security anymore, which is extremely, extremely uncomfortable. But, yeah, that's part of it. That's part of, like, getting through this time I guess is like trying to manage that feeling and like we said before feeling it maybe feeling upset by it maybe crying if you want to cry and don't apologize for it and feel it and just try to treat yourself well through those feelings exactly exactly and I mean also
1: back to this of like managing your expectations and your thoughts like I know that maybe many of you are feeling that way and are feeling scared and vulnerable and anxious about uncertainty, which can also lead to depression and and many other symptoms of mental health um, issues. But just take a second and breathe. I have to tell myself this on a daily basis or again, emphasize whatever works for you. But for me, an example, I just have to literally... Make myself focus on breathing, make Uh (laughs) myself get out of my head and tell myself, hey, these thoughts are not real because they're not true. I don't know what the future is. I can't tell you if the end of the days is coming and I don't know for certain any of that stuff. It's all it's all like lies. It's not the truth. What I do know is that I'm alive right now. I have a job, I have a roof over my head, I have food, I have toilet paper, thanks, Celestial Jesus, and <laughs> Cottonelle wipes. Um <laughs> He was looking out for you, Sarah. He was. Oh, Celestial Jesus is the best. Um, but yeah, just telling myself, okay, these are things that are important. This is okay, and also. This is a bit of a side note and tangent, but I also want to touch on this to this idea that we briefly talked about before, On um, you know, people and, and I've seen a lot of good posts that counteract the negative ones about, you know, you don't have to use this time to do something creative or productive. You just need to focus on your emotions and your well-being and just taking care of yourself in whatever way that may be. And for me, like, it's also not getting into my head about, oh, my God, I'm, like, inside all day. I'm going to gain, like, 20 pounds. I'm going to, like, mm-hmm. not be able to fit into my clothes anymore. And worrying about stupid stuff like that instead of just saying, you know what? It's okay if I gain 20 pounds or 5 pounds. It's a
0: scary it's situation. totally you know? fine. Yeah. Oh, Gaining weight and amazing. losing weight, either way, is normal. And if anyone points things out about it, about your weight, if it does change, they can fuck right off. Because it's exactly. not Exactly. And like you were just saying, Sarah, it's like, that's not something that we should be worrying about. Of course, like, take care of yourself. But you shouldn't be worrying about your weight at a time when there's a pandemic happening. Like, just take care of yourself. Just make sure that you eat enough like you know eat your like eat your meals every day don't skip meals please for the love of god and yeah. make sure you're sleeping and drinking enough water and like sarah said if you get in your head try your best to like breathe focus on your breathing sometimes i'll do the thing where you like have to count to 10 really slowly with your breaths yep and try to just get out of your head for a second, and think about try to think about the good things. I know that that's way easier said than done. But also for me, if you're lucky enough to live in a place where you can like go outside for just a second to get fresh air, that does help me too. Exactly. So, I know we're exactly. not I, we're totally professionals. JK. <laughs> no, we're not. We are not professionals, but we're just sharing what helps us when we're feeling anxious, stressed, or depressed. And I'm sure it's different for everyone.
1: Exactly. And another thing is like expressing your boundaries, which is something that I've learned too, because I've, I've worked so hard to not get in my head about obsessing over my weight and how I look because of years of being told that I need to look and do and act a certain way. And so I, you know, dealing with those feelings, but, but also, so in time like this, not being concerned about that but vocalizing it as well. So my boyfriend, he's amazing, he's really supportive, but sometimes he talks about like for himself, his own personal goals of like, oh, I want to make sure I'm working out and I'm eating healthy. And he at no no means does he mean anything directed towards me. But I got to the point where I had to say, like, listen, for me that is a trigger. And it's something that's unhealthy for me to talk about and to hear. Like, I know that you're not insinuating that I need to do the same, but just hearing you obsess over this, but well, maybe obsess is a strong word, um, but just talk about it so much is not healthy for me. So please, right. can we not talk about it? And at that moment, he was like, oh, my God, I had no idea. Like, I i want you to know it had nothing to do with you. And I was like, I understand. I'm not upset or annoyed or think that you're pointing it towards me. It's just hearing that in general in a time like this is not helpful. So just also being aware that it is okay to express boundaries and feelings and be vulnerable and communicate what is best for you and your mental health, especially if you share a space with a significant other or your partner. Um yeah. that's okay to okay. do as well as long as you approach it in a healthy An effective communicating way like I think that's okay and also I do I do want to emphasize too that I feel like Katie and I were both like we're like doctors here call me Dr. Little (laughs) I know everything (laughs) I know um but also we're not saying don't exercise or don't you know eat healthy that's also not what we're saying like for me yeah, I'm doing workout videos every day, but not because I'm like, I'm going to come out of quarantine with a JLo booty and a six pack. It's more <laughs> of like, I have to do it for my mental health. It is one thing that really right. helps my anxiety. Oh, me um, too. Is mm-hmm. if I work out. And again, it has nothing to do with me being like, oh, this I want to was... lose weight. It's just good for my mental health. And you it's know, something I, wanna... I need.
0: The emphasis should be on taking care of yourself and doing good things for your body while not and definitely not making it about what you look like, because that's not important. That's not important ever. And it's especially not important now. Um, So, yeah, just take care of yourself. And like, yeah, if you can, if you're able to and if you want to do some movement, move your body because it's good for it. But don't be like, like Sarah just said like going crazy with it and thinking that you're failing if you're not becoming some amazing athlete in this quarantine.
1: (laughs) And even, you know, if you're not capable of doing intense workouts or you have some things that prohibit you from doing that, just, you know, do what you can. The main thing that we want to get at is do what you can and manage expectations. Like, Whatever it is that you can do, focus on that and just on yourself and being healthy, but not obsessing over it. Just right. make sure that you're doing what's best for you. And even if it's like, y'all, I was like, you know, I had, I couldn't, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain this. I just like, could, I was so out of shape when I first did an online video in quarantine and lockdown. And so I was like, Hey, I'm just going to do some stretching that in and of itself was, like, something my body really needed, and I had to have my boyfriend help me stretch because it was, like, all kind of tense. Like, oh, yeah. I felt like I was 80 years old because I couldn't even, like, do my own stretching. And it was funny because we were like, this is not any, like, it should be a sexual thing that's happening, these stretching moves that we're doing, but we just couldn't stop laughing because it was so far from that. Um but yeah, even stuff like that, if you have a partner, do it. If you don't, find fun ways to do it on your own and, you know, take care of yourself. If, if you have a partner, yep. great. If not, use that vibrator slash whatever hand, whatever you want, toy. That's also important.
0: <laughs> whatever you got.
1: <laughs> whatever you got, whatever works for you, that's also important to take care of too. So. Oh,
0: totally. That helps with a lot of like stress.
1: Girl, it helps my stress a lot, my anxiety. I'll tell you
0: that. And that. Yeah, that that also ties in to the Mormonism thing. Like they would never tell you to masturbate to feel less stressed because it's a sin, which we, it's not. Okay, it's just not. It's
1: so not.
0: Um, yeah. So speaking of like the LDS Church, basically. I don't really want to get into it because it's a bummer, but I just looked up a few things on their website about mental health. And I found a few videos that were just so sad of these people who were dealing with depression and anxiety and they would tell their story. And every time I mean, I didn't watch too many of them because I was like getting over it. But every time how they end up feeling better is because they finally (laughs) seek help and they go to a doctor and they get medication and they get counseling but they give they attribute all of that to the church they say that like they got a priesthood blessing and the priesthood blessing urged them to go to the doctor or they prayed and their prayer made them feel like they should go to the doctor and then the doctor blessed the or The doctor was blessed by Heavenly Father to know which prescription to give them. And it just was so, like, gross to me that they weren't giving the credit to all of these medical professionals that are really helping them, you know, manage their mental health. So that was just kind of what I wanted to touch on there. And it was really depressing. So there's that.
1: (laughs) And on that note, too, if we do have Mormons who have made it this far in the episode who are listening, (laughs) let's emphasize your bishop is not a qualified or trained medical or mental health professional. Okay. Repeat after me. (laughs) Like they are not. So if you are struggling with things and you are struggling with mental health issues, with suicide, with any of those, if physical, any of that, do go to the professionals who actually are experts in that area. And don't feel like you have to go to a bishop and be told to have a priesthood blessing and that will solve everything.
0: Also, you shouldn't be getting priesthood blessings right now anyways. That is not social distancing, okay? So, no priesthood blessings. And there are lots of online resources that, like, you can get help if you need mental help. Um, You know, they they can do it all online. So, it's available. Um, There's also, I'll put this in, like, the show notes, but I found... Um, a helpline for it says it's the mental health services Dis- disaster distress helpline um, their phone number is 1-800-985-5990 so I'll put that in the show notes just in case anyone needs help that I think that would be pretty accessible oh, that would be great and then there's just one other separate note kind of on that line is if Any of our listeners, if you're quarantined with someone who is abusive or if you need help getting out of like a domestic violence situation, obviously you can always call the authorities, but there's also, if you need to be more discreet, there's the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233, which I'll also put in the show notes. And I really hope that's not happening with any of our listeners, but you never know. So I figured I'd put that out there. That's a really good point,
1: especially because I've mentioned a few times about the positive benefits of having a partner in this situation, but that's being dismissive to maybe other situations where it's not so positive or I also just to clarify, I'm not saying that you need to have someone during this time. If you're single, great. Like do there's nothing negative about that either. But yeah, as you mentioned, um, if you are in a situation like that, I hope you know that there is help. And I wish that there was like an international number that we could share with all of our listeners who are worldwide. Um,
0: I'm but, sure it varies for, like, each country, so you'll just have to look it up, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I know we're, we're nearing an hour, but I think I still, I mean, I'm okay with going a little bit over to read this letter, if you're okay with that. Yeah, I think I can hold my pee for a few more minutes. <laughs> okay <laughs> okay so this letter is from like we said our patreon our patron tana which thank you so tana. much we love you okay she says since leaving the church trying to get to a healthy state of mind has been one of my main goals i'm two years into that journey and while i feel a million times better than i used to there's still so much deprogramming to do Thankfully, your podcast has been so helpful, and I've been processing the specific aspects of the church, its policies, and its history that really messed me up. The Mormon church fucked over not just my mental health, but quite a few of my, quite a few of my family members' mental health as well. This is especially frustrating now because I can actually see how it is damaging them, and they all still keep going back to the very thing that's hurting them. I have a mix of anxiety, depression, and OCD, not the cleaning type, but specific obsessions and compulsions, mostly revolving around the safety of my family and myself. I think that I've always had these to a degree, but my experience in the church and how my parents handled things definitely intensified all my symptoms. I'm not blaming my parents, though. I understand that they tried their best, and they are products of the damage dealt to them as well. I feel that. That's so Mm -hmm. true.
1: Wow
0: my entire life I've craved approval I never did anything rebellious because I was terrified I would make someone angry or disappoint my parents and God my entire life was full of fear from almost as early as I can remember I was terrified that God would let one of my family members die or get hurt if I did something wrong or that something awful would happen to our family if we didn't follow every single commandment with exactness my parents felt and still feel the same way obviously this didn't help my mental state Mm -hmm. I definitely felt like that when I was younger. I was so worried that if I didn't do something right, that, like, God would let my parents get in a car accident or something. Mm -hmm.
1: Oh, that's so, like, that is resonating so hardcore with me.
0: Okay. So, um, she says, I'm pretty sure my mom has at least some of the same mental health issues that I do, but running away from problems, especially mental ones is so ingrained in her because it's how three plus generations of her family has dealt with anything uncomfortable. I definitely picked up and copied her way of dealing with difficult things and ended up digging myself into a huge pit of depression, fear and compulsions. I was too scared, not only to be myself, but to even figure out who I was as a person. My entire identity was written by the church. Ugh. So true. Um, Tana, I am feeling all of this. Yeah, me too. Things just got worse when I moved out and left for college. I felt like a failure because I didn't get married or start dating right away like everyone said I would. And I wasn't happy in my classes because my patriarchal blessing directed me to a major. Ooh. I hate it. No. Oh, There was so much dissonance because I was doing everything I was told to do and absolutely none of the things I had been promised were coming true. Plus, anytime I tried to speak up, one of these, quote, amazing priesthood holders, a.k.a. major douchebags, (laughs) would shut me down immediately. My mental state got worse and worse as I continued to try to please everyone but myself and run away from everything even remotely uncomfortable. Somehow I managed to graduate through all of that and luckily reconnected with my now husband around the same time. Thankfully, he didn't grow up in quite as strict of a home as I did, so he helped me start to change my thought process. However, because of how I was raised, I legitimately thought that his thoughts, feelings, and spiritual impressions were much more important and valid than mine. Yeah. He has a wiener. He has a wiener. I'm, a, I'm assuming. I'm sorry. I'm assuming he has a wiener. Um <laughs> Okay, the next three years after we got married caused so much confusion in myself. My husband was on his way out of the church and was entirely respectful and logical. Every time I went to church, I had a fleeting feeling of peace and pride that I, quote, did what was right. But as soon as it came, it was replaced by intense depression. We had a baby during this time, and I was hit pretty hard by postpartum anxiety and depression as well. I honestly just thought I was broken. Everything I had been told about these types of situations was completely twisted compared to reality. It took me two years of slowly and reluctantly changing my thought processes enough to actually listen to what my husband was hinting at, which was church stuff, trying to bring up my self-esteem, challenging my underlying belief that only his opinion mattered, etc. I need enough to trust myself, enough to step away. I immediately started therapy, which was incredibly difficult but so helpful. It has helped me mostly let go of the suppression and unnecessary stress and pressure that the church had heaped on top of me. I've finally been able to start exploring who I am and who I want to be. I love that I can pursue the life and education and career I want and that I can just let my personality come out instead of shoving it so far down that I literally thought I didn't have one. I love that I was able to choose to stop having children and focus fully on the one I have, even though my patriarchal blessing insisted on four plus. Wow. I love that I can prioritize my mental health instead of heaping on more and more stress in the form of callings and more children and pointless busyness. I'm not slamming anyone else's decisions. I'm just talking about my own experience. I love that I have made enough progress that I actually speak up and stand behind my good ideas at work and in my personal life. Go, Go, Tana. I still have a long way to go. I don't think anyone ever finishes a mental health journey. But even though I still have a lot of work to do, I can't believe how much pressure and sadness and stress has been lifted off of my mind since I left the church and started working on myself. My mental illnesses are actually bearable, and I finally have ways to cope with them. I don't know if my story would actually be beneficial for anyone to hear, but I do think it is so important for people struggling with mental health to know that they don't have to suffer in silence. That it's okay to ask for help and to set boundaries and destigmatize mental illness.
1: Cool. Oh, cool. That- that paragraph is powerful Tana like that is incredible and I'm I'm speechless
0: wasn't that amazing she's so well written too I just loved everything about how she wrote that and I'm really happy Tana that you're that you're doing better it's like it's so nice to hear that that we're we've all kind of experienced this right of like that that pressure, that weight lifting off of you when you leave. And then of course that makes it a little bit easier to manage like mental illness and things like that. So I'm glad that she's doing better.
1: Yeah. Tana, thank you for sharing that email. And like Katie said, it was so well written and just incredible and gave me chill bumps and it was inspiring. Like uh, she's sharing her story and her personal development and sharing her truth. And I think that's inspiring for, Everyone who's listening, so, um, and also the fact of like what she says, destigmatizing uh, yeah. mental health. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, really yeah, important. Like, it makes it so much easier for others to speak up and tell their story and ask for help when they know that so many people are also suffering with it. Like they're not alone and they're not quote unquote crazy, right? So exactly, very important. Well,
1: um, thank you, Tana, and thanks, Katie, for reading her oh. email.
0: Of course. Yeah. And so when this episode comes out, the following weekend will be general conference. So everyone prioritize your mental health and be aware that people are going to be posting about general conference on social media and stay away from it if you don't want to see that.
1: (laughs) That's a really good point. I'm yeah. Yeah. This episode is perfect timing. Celestial Jesus knew he prompted us to do this topic. Um, But really, in all seriousness, like just make sure that you guys are taking care of yourself and focusing on yourself and talk about mental health. If you have any questions or concerns or issues or any of that, talk about it. Set your boundaries. Um, take care of yourself, manage your expectations and your thoughts, and just focus on doing what's best for you. And try your hardest to push those awful, lingering Mormon doctrination questions and thoughts that pop into your head. Just push them away if you can. And just keep being your beautiful, gorgeous, amazing, smart, talented, creative, amazing people that you
0: all are. Oh, that was so That's- sweet. <laughs> I'm so nice. So nice. What a sweet spirit, Sarah. <laughs> I have the sweetest spirit. Um and right, also but-
1: just one other thing. You guys sent us a lot of really cool emails about our the last episode on tattoos. And oh, if you would yeah. like us to share them on our Instagram stories, then let us know because I think it could be cool to show some of the the cool tattoo and artwork you guys have. So if you yeah want us to share it on our Instagram just send us a little message and we can do that as well
0: yeah well cool you guys take care of yourselves like we've said a million times but really do because we I'm love favorite. you and you all are amazing and we're gonna get through this together Woo-hoo. exactly drink some wine or whatever you prefer and have an
1: amazing you know, listen to this podcast, take a bubble bath and drink your favorite drink of choice and just relax and have some downtime. Okay. There you go.
0: Perfect.
1: <laughs> now on that note, I'm gonna go piss myself right now because I'm holding it in for the last hour. I love you guys, but I don't <laughs> wanna pee on my <laughs> pants. <laughs> oh. <laughs> love you bye. Bye.